Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. Yeah. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. Uh, today, this show is being hosted by your boy Ja, and uh, we're going to go ahead and dive into one of my least favorite teams in the NFL, but they do have one of the most explosive players in fantasy football, and that's going to be the Chicago Bears. Um, we're going to go ahead and cover the Chicago Bears and the NFC today, and we're also going to go ahead and talk about the relevant fantasy players from the Indianapolis Colts of the AFC. So welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo, one of your favorite fantasy football shows, just for banter. And um, I want to go ahead and talk about, once again, one of those you know explosive players within the fantasy football realm. He's a quarterback for the Bears, and that's Mr. Justin Fields. Uh, we are all probably expecting Justin Fields to have another big season. This guy was... As much as I hate the Bears, once again, this guy was explosive as hell last year, man. Uh, Some stats on Justin Fields and his 2022 performance. But Justin Fields was second in rush touchdowns, um, you know, amongst quarterbacks. He was first in rushing yards amongst quarterbacks. And he was second amongst quarterbacks in carries per game. This dude's damn near a running back playing quarterback. Now, as far as his passing goes, Mr. Fields is kind of a... He's... I I don't want to say maybe questionable I don't know if that's the right term for it but he's someone who has a little bit to prove now when you deep dive into some of Mr. Fields's numbers and these these stats today are all provided by player profiler so shout out to them uh, Justin Fields in 2022 was 32nd in completion percentage versus man coverage right so he was of 32 quarterbacks he was the worst when it comes to starting quarterbacks um, and completing, you know, passes against man coverage, tight coverage, throwing in the tight windows. Uh, that's kind of always been my knock against Justin Fields has been that I don't know how great of a passer he is. I don't know if he's going to be like Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, if he's going to be like Mahomes, Josh Allen, those guys who can just put a ball in a window. Now, when you watch a lot of his tape from last year, you see that a lot of his big completions, because he did have a few, you know, long completions. Granted, that could be partially because they were losing uh, pretty much every game they played. Um, They had like the worst margin of loss in the NFL last year. I believe they lost most games by at least eight points, which is more than a touchdown. Uh, Mr. Fields was pretty bad against man coverage. Uh, Now his completion rate versus zone coverage was at around 70%, which is better than his completion rate versus man coverage, which happened to only be at 50 So that's kind of reminiscent of the fact that he needs a little bit of space. 
Um, he throws a pretty decent deep ball. And one thing I noticed about his deep ball that he throws is that he typically will lead the receiver. So if a Darnell Mooney, if a DJ Moore, who we'll get into a little bit later, uh, can go ahead and, you know, get ahead of their cornerbacks, Justin Fields typically has a propensity to be able to go ahead and throw him a ball. He can catch him in stride. They can run forward and, you know, make a big play. But when it comes to, you know, hitting somebody on a curl route, when it comes to maybe hitting someone on a slant, when it comes to hitting someone on a post corner, those are the routes that I think Fields can kind of somewhat struggle with because it requires him to put a ball in a tight window on a rope. And that's something that I haven't really seen him do too much of, even in college at Ohio State, nor at the NFL level. Now, Justin Fields, for fantasy purposes, has all the potential in the world to go ahead and have another big season. Uh, we talk about the passing, but we all know that the key to having a productive quarterback season is that rushing, right? You want to have a guy who can go ahead and rush for over 50 yards a game if possible. Now, Justin Fields right now is being projected as the sixth best quarterback, the sixth best quarterback in the fantasy football realm going into next season. The only quarterbacks who are ranked ahead of Justin Fields, according to sleeper projections, are Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Four of those five are pretty damn good rushers, and I would go ahead and call three of those five, and Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar Jackson, three of the best rushing quarterbacks in the league. I think Justin Fields can go ahead and crack that mold, and he can probably go ahead and you know see himself finish better than QB7. Uh, he was QB7 last year. I think that he does have the potential to go ahead and have a really big season for you guys. Uh, but in order for him to crack that top five, I would, A, like to see him remain healthy. Last year, he only played in 15 games. Uh, I would like to see him play all 17 this year, but we know those Russian quarterbacks have more of a propensity to get hurt, to get nicked up, and uh, to potentially miss some time, miss some halves, miss some quarters, or whatever it may be. So ideally, at 6'3", 228, I feel mostly confident that Fields should be able to stay healthy. I like Justin Fields as a potential, you know, I'd say top six, top seven quarterback moving into next year. I think you should, too. I think that the addition of DJ Moore is actually going to really help this guy a lot. And you know what? While we're at it, let's dive into DJ Moore, who, you know, was traded from the Carolina Panthers to the Chicago Bears last year. DJ Moore was a dog down in Carolina before he got traded to the Bears. And one interesting stat that I found about DJ Moore on Player Profiler was that he actually uh, ranked fourth in the NFL last year in terms of deep targets. So those are targets that travel, you know, more than 20 yards. Now, in terms of his air yards, which, you know, is total distance traveled by all intended targets, DJ Moore was 12th in the NFL, which means that typically when he was targeted, um, you know, the ball came from far away. Now, I think that him and Justin Fields could be a great match because that receiving core in Chicago is not all that impressive. You have Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet. I think that DJ Moore is probably going to be a target hog. He's going to be on the field a lot. He ranked second amongst all NFL wide receivers last year in terms of snap share. Which, you know, if you're newer to the fantasy football realm, snap share is a percentage of total team offensive plays that the player was on the field. So this motherfucker was on the field more than almost all of the NFL wide receivers last year. He's versatile. He can work inside. He can work outside. 
Uh, I think he was 12th amongst receivers when it came to target share last year. And that deep ball uh, target share is one thing I really want to emphasize because, as I mentioned earlier, I think Justin Fields throws a pretty decent deep ball, right? Like, I I know he's not going to be the greatest in tight coverage. He's not going to be the greatest uh, in throwing into, you know, like super tight windows. But I think he can throw a pretty decent moon ball. And if DJ Moore can get ahead of a cornerback and all you have to do is just toss it up, toss it ahead of DJ Moore and hope he runs into the ball, catches it and scores. You know, I think that's something that he showed a propensity to do in uh, Carolina with a multitude of different quarterbacks. And uh, while I don't think that, you know, Justin Fields is going to be Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or hell, even Jalen Hurts in terms of accuracy. I think the man's a good enough quarterback to be able to throw a couple moon balls and, you know, hit DJ Moore on the sideline or somewhere down the field. I like DJ Moore a lot. He's actually one of my favorite players that I traded for in a couple of my home dynasty leagues. Uh, Right now, he's being projected to go as the 53rd player off the board in terms of ADP going into this redraft season. So uh, in layman's terms, if you play in a 10-team league, you can go and grab DJ Moore at the beginning of the sixth round. And you even have Justin Fields going in the middle of the fifth. Now, if you can go ahead and get a quarterback who can potentially be a top five quarterback because of his legs, and you can go ahead and get his top receiver who might end up being a target monster in the sixth round, I think that's a pretty decent stack. And um, I like DJ Moore a lot. I think that he has the potential to go ahead and be like a high-end wide receiver too. He's going to have some wide receiver one weeks, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going off the board as the 27th best wide receiver, and I think that's way too low, honestly. All right, and the next receiver we'll talk about today is going to be Darnell Mooney, uh, most likely the receiver who plays opposite of DJ Moore in this new Chicago Bears offense. And Darnell Mooney is, he's kind of interesting, man. Um, he didn't have a great year last year, let's be honest. In 2022, he had 61 targets, 40 receptions, and only 493 reception yards. He played in 12 of 17 games, scored, you know, two touchdowns, and averaged around 8.5 fantasy points per game. That's not great. The year before, my man had 140 targets with 81 receptions, over 1,000 yards with 1,055 yards and four touchdowns. So to compare the two years, in 2022, he obviously didn't have his best year. Uh, 2021 was his better year, and I think that's partially in part to uh, having Allen Robinson at that point in time playing across the field and drawing away coverage from him. Darnell Mooney kind of proved last year that he wasn't your ideal X receiver. He kind of proved that he wasn't really a number one. I still think he's a good NFL receiver, and I think that he still has, you know, some talent. Uh, But I don't think that he's like your typical proverbial, you know, X receiver, which is why they went out and got DJ Moore. Now, I think that Darnell Mooney could improve because once again in 2021, when he had coverage being drawn to Allen Robinson, he had a much, much, much better season. Now, he still got his targets in 2021. He was 11th in the NFL in terms of targets, uh, 11th in the NFL in terms of target share. And he's also a great separator. Like in 2021, he was, I think, number seven in terms of target separation. And even in 2022, uh, you know, his win rate versus man coverage was the fourth best in the NFL. That's once again an area that Justin Fields kind of struggled with. But Darnell Mooney went out and, um, you know, showed that he could get he could he could win those contested catches uh, in tight windows versus man when given the opportunity. Now, his contested catch rate is 
actually not that bad. Last year, he was 15th in the league. But the reason all these stats are relevant is because it kind of shows me that Darnell Mooney is someone who can go and win uh, battles in tight coverage. He's someone who can be a contested catch guy. He's someone who has the potential to go ahead and, uh, you know, maybe make a big play happen uh, down the field if there's coverage on DJ Moore. Um, And, you know, he's left open with the second or third best uh, cornerback. And he's really hard to predict. Once again, he had a thousand yards in 2021, but only 493 and 22 with obviously that injury uh, playing a large part in that. But I mean, uh, he's he's probably one of the harder receivers to predict. Um, I think right now Darnell Mooney is going off the board kind of late. Uh, looking at the sleeper, looking at looking at sleepers projections for uh, you know like ADP and things like that. Darnell Mooney's projected to go as the 132nd player. Um. So, in essence, once again, if you play in a 10-team league, you're grabbing this guy basically at the end of the draft. Uh, he's going around the same range as like a Jonathan Mingo, Rondale Moore, Tyler Boyd, maybe Adam Thielen, Sky Moore. And I think that this year, the Bears... I think this year with DJ Moore being there, I think that Darnell Mooney is going to see a lot more quality targets because he won't be draped by, you know, the best cornerback for the opposing team. I think that with his contested catch rate, which was one of the better uh, contested catch rates in the NFL with his ability to win versus man coverage. And now with DJ Moore going ahead and drawing coverage away from him, I believe that Darnell Mooney could go ahead and have a few more explosive plays. Uh, He can get a little bit more opportunity. I don't think his targets are going to really increase all that much from what we saw what we saw last year. Uh, last year, Darnell Mooney had 61 targets. That's once again only in 12 games played, uh, but he averaged about you know five targets a game. That's kind of where my issue with Mooney comes is that yes, he can make those contested catches work. He can you know beat man coverage and maybe get down the field to catch a big uh, a big play. And DJ Moore obviously once again is going to draw away that coverage. But if he only saw five targets a game in his 12 games that he was active, what does that look like this year um, now that the team has brought in a DJ Moore, now that they have added uh, Deontay Foreman? um, You know, you have Travis Homer in the backfield. You still have Chase Claypool, who hopefully is going to make somewhat of a jump this year. I don't know what that looks like. You also talk about the fact that the Bears added Robert Tanyan from the Packers. And uh, you you kind of have to worry a little bit about Darnell Mooney's target share. Can he exceed that five targets per game? Because obviously he's not going to catch every target. So if he catches, you know, 60%, you're talking about three catches a game. You're hoping those are big plays. Um, and his touchdown numbers, I think he has a career high of four touchdowns in one season. So he's not exactly like a red zone target. Um, he's someone that's very hard to project. I think that with him going as the as a 13th, 14th round receiver, I think that's fair. Um, I think there is some upside there with Darnell Mooney. I think that he could potentially outperform that ADP, maybe not by a whole ton, but I do think that he's someone who could be a really nice flex, maybe a wide receiver five, a wide receiver four, a wide receiver five for your team. Um, And he could be a really nice death piece. Um, Or he could be somebody who fills in one of your lower end, you know, receiver options if you, Find yourself going running back heavy if you go ahead and draft tight end and quarterback early and you're just looking for some guys who, you know, might be able to have a few big weeks for you. 
I think one of the biggest question marks on this team outside of Darnell Mooney, though, is who is going to hold down the tight end room. Uh, because you, you know, once again, you have Cole Komet at tight end for the Bears, but then you also brought in Robert Tanyan, who Robert Tanyan has some experience in Luke Getze's offense from Luke Getze's days in Green Bay. Now, it was only a few years ago that Robert Tanyan was the fourth best tight end in all of fantasy football. That was 2020, once again, in that Luke Getze offense, in which Robert Tanyan had 52 catches, he had 11 touchdowns, he was a red zone monster. Um, and obviously, you know, some of that is because you have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Uh, but it was also very apparent that the Packers at that point in time wanted to go ahead and get him the ball in the red zone. Now, Cole Komet is someone who really stepped out. He showed out a lot last year. He had a really slow start. I know a lot of people ended up dropping the guy like midseason, uh, but he made you regret it. I think during the last 10 games of the season he scored seven touchdowns he was also a red zone monster so one thing that's apparent to me in this Luke Getze offense is he's going to have a tight end who scores a lot of touchdowns right uh Cole Komet last year with seven touchdowns you have Robert Tanyan two three years ago that had 11 touchdowns in a season he's going to target his big bodies in the red zone and that's another area of Justin Fields that actually is pretty good. Justin Fields has a really high red zone accuracy percentage. I think it's like a top five in the NFL. So whoever that big body is who's going to get those targets in the red zone stands to benefit a lot. I don't know if it's going to be Cole Komet, who, you know, was drafted by was drafted by a different regime. He wasn't drafted by the same uh, Luke Getze current regime, uh, the Luke Getze, Ryan Poles, um, you know, front office. Robert Tanyan is someone who was brought in by Luke Getze. So obviously, whatever Cole Komet showed last year must not have been enough if they brought in a guy who was starting at tight end for the Packers last year. Um, I like Robert Tanyan. I also like Cole Komet. I don't think that either of them are going to end up being like a top five tight end. I think, honestly, I don't even know if I if I would go as far as saying top ten. Cole Komet was seven last year, but you know he stands to lose targets. Luke Getze brought his guy in for a reason. Uh, I think the Bears are likely going to run a lot more two tight end sets. Uh, but I still like Cole Komet above Robert Tanyan. If Cole Komet were to suffer an injury, I think that Robert Tanyan is going to be a really popular waiver wire pickup, and I think that he will be productive. Um, but with this offense running a couple more two tight end sets uh, with Chase Claypool running the wide receiver three spot for this, uh, you know, wide receiver group. I think that my first receiver I would probably take off the board from this Bears offense is obviously DJ Moore, but I wouldn't be mad if number two was Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool. I mean, you hope that he can kind of take a step up. He didn't have a great season last year when he got traded to the Bears. I don't think he had any touchdowns. Um, and, you know, he came into this offseason, I think, with an undisclosed soft tissue injury. Doesn't seem to be major, uh, but it just sounds like he's missing more time in the offseason to get accustomed to the book, to get accustomed to the team, and to get accustomed to Justin Fields. And my order in terms of pass catchers for this team probably goes one DJ Moore, two Darnell, uh, three would be Cole Komet, Four would be Chase Claypool, who's going to be close to Cole Komet. And my five would obviously be Robert Tanyan. Chase Claypool is one of those guys who's 6'4", 238. He should be a red zone target. But once again, I mean, the guy's kind of just been heading south since his rookie year in Pittsburgh. 
Um, hasn't really put up any like major league productive numbers. He was wide receiver 67 in PPR leagues last year. The year before, I think he was wide receiver 37. So he was effectively like a wide receiver four for you. And even in his best year, he was wide receiver 24. Um, my man saw 109 targets. He saw 79 targets last year. I don't know if that number is going to skyrocket too much without a major injury. And um, he scored three touchdowns in the last two years. And that's even with him being, once again, 6'4", 238. He ran a 4'4", 40. And he should be a major red zone target. Um, so, all in all, this Bears offense is going to be interesting. They got some guys who are new to the new to the team. Uh, Luke Getze brought in his boy, Robert Tanyan. And it'll be, you know, really interesting to watch. As far as the running back room goes, uh, Deontay Foreman joined the joined the room. They drafted Roshan Johnson. They still have Khalil Herbert. That's going to be a complete toss-up. I like Khalil Herbert the most just because he's explosive. Uh, Khalil Herbert, once again, ended the year last year as, I think, RB 37 in, like, standard leagues, RB 41 in PPR, over 731 rush yards, four rushing touchdowns, and, um, you know, one receiving touchdown. Deontay Foreman is another kind of journeyman who's coming in from Carolina, kind of a big bulkier back who can run a lot of inside zone, uh, get a lot of goal line carries. Roshan Johnson was a dog playing behind B. John Robinson at Texas. Uh, you know, he's another big body that they can utilize in the red zone. They can utilize on uh, early downs. And this running back room, I think it's not going to be very consistent. I don't know between Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson who's going to see the most carries. I truly believe that's going to come down to just someone's going to likely get hurt because it's a running back position. And uh, if it were to be Deontay Foreman who gets hurt, I think that Roshan Johnson's going to see a really big jump. He's probably my favorite back for value in terms of, uh, you know, where you can get these guys. Uh, but, I mean, Deontay Foreman, as good as he was in Carolina, I don't know if I would put too many of my chips in that bucket. Right now, in terms of ADP, Khalil Herbert is going uh, ahead of both Roshan and Deontay Foreman. Um, so you can right now get Khalil Herbert around like that 11th round value if you play in a 10-team league. They have Deontay Foreman going at, you know, about two, three rounds after uh, Khalil Herbert. And then obviously you have Roshan Johnson going about 10 picks after Deontay Foreman. So Deontay and Roshan are relatively close in ADP, but Khalil Herbert has them beat by, by about a mile right now. If I'm going for value... As much as I like Kalua Herbert, I don't know if I trust Justin Fields as like a check down, uh, a, a, a check down quarterback who's going to go ahead and give this guy passes out of the backfield. Last year, once again, Kalua Herbert only had nine receptions on 12 targets and 13 games played. Um, so you just kind of got to hope for, you know, the explosive Russian plays when he gets those opportunities. But I do believe this is going to be a very, uh, it's going to be a very, uh, power run style of team with two tight end sets they are going to have a big bully back in the backfield to go along with Justin Fields and I think Roshan Johnson just based off of pure value with him being you know the lowest in terms of ADP amongst these uh these Bears uh running backs I think he's the best value for you guys uh go out and get Roshan Johnson towards the end of the draft and you know god forbid there's an injury to a Deontay Foreman or a Khalil Herbert Roshan's going to be somebody that you wish you might have even picked up earlier all right, and let's talk about another Russian quarterback. 
uh, one of the premier rookies coming in from this 2023 draft class. Uh, Anthony Richardson is the new quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, word on the street is that he's supposed to be pretty good. Now, he kind of fits within the same vein of like a Cam Newton, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, one of those high-end Russian quarterbacks, a Lamar Jackson, who has the potential to go ahead and take the top off of defenses because of his legs. He has the potential to go ahead and rush for maybe 100 yards per game. Uh, he very well could be competitive with Justin Fields at the end of the year when it comes to total rushing yards. And, uh, you know, we know that he's going to be great for that. He was going really high in a lot of your dynasty drafts. He will be drafted, I think, above expectation even this year. Uh, understanding that he's going to come in as most likely the starting quarterback. Right now, I'm looking at current ADPs, and they have Anthony Richardson coming off the board as the 12th quarterback. So that is right after Tua Tagovailoa and right before Kirk Cousins. So he's coming off the board as a borderline starting quarterback for fantasy before he's even played a game because we know how lethal he can be with his legs. Uh, but I think what we more so want to hear about or what you guys probably want to hear about is what he can do with his arm because his arm is going to affect a myriad of receivers of tight ends and potentially even Jonathan Taylor. So with Anthony Richardson, if I'm doing just a raw projection, I mean, I can't really disagree with where he's going off the board. I think that he could pass up a Tua Tagovailoa because of his legs. I think he could potentially pass up. Um, another guy in like a Dak Prescott, even though Prescott has some new weapons, I think that the amount of rush yards and rushing touchdowns that Anthony Richardson could produce, I think he could easily be a 800, 900, maybe even thousand yard rushing uh, quarterback. That's just hard to beat, man. We saw how effective it was with Justin Fields last year. I think Anthony Richardson, assuming he plays all the games, I think he very well might have a uh, fight for being a top 12 quarterback. So I like where he's being taken off the board now as the 102nd player off the board in fantasy football uh, redraft ADP. But Jonathan Taylor is another guy who was a dog. I mean, you know, the years before coming out of Wisconsin, he was immediately productive. He played 15 games in his first year in Indy, and he ended the year as the sixth best running back in all of fantasy. He had over 1,100 yards. In 2021, Jonathan Taylor had 1,800 fucking yards on the ground rushing with 18 touchdowns that might be his career best season i go hold you that might be his career best season uh he was the number one running back in all of fantasy in just 2021 but last year there was regression he got injured uh, he played in 11 of 17 games he still almost hit a thousand yards in 11 games he produced 861 yards only four touchdowns uh but he still got some receiving work um most years he's typically averaging around like 36 37 38 like 36 to 40 ish range in terms of receptions uh, last year playing in only 11 games he saw 28 receptions uh, that was with Matt Ryan at the helm of the offense so you know Matt Ryan Matt Ryan gave him that opportunity to catch those dump offs this year I think with Anthony Richardson there's going to be a lot more play action um, they're going to going to be a lot more RPO and with Shane Steichen coming in from the Eagles, I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to see a lot of work on the ground because Shane Steichen likes to use his running backs. Now, with Anthony Richardson, obviously likely to vulture a couple goal line touchdowns. I don't know if I see Jonathan Taylor finishing as the number one running back in all of fantasy because his new quarterback is a pretty damn good rusher himself. 
but right now with Jonathan Taylor going off the board as the ninth player overall in fantasy football drafts, uh, he's going off the board as the fourth running back. I, if I can get Jonathan Taylor in the second round, like early second round, I like that a lot. I think he's going to be good. I don't know if he's going to be better than Saquon or Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry or even Josh Jacobs if he plays. I don't know if he's going to be better than Austin Eckler or Christian McCaffrey. I have Jonathan Taylor maybe closer to six or seven in terms of running back ranks, which if you're still incorporating Justin Jefferson's of the world, you're still incorporating a Jamar Chase, Cooper Cups, um, you know, Travis Kelsey. When you're talking about playing in like a 10-team league, I would prefer to get Jonathan Taylor in the early second. Even in a 12-team league, I think I'd be happy if I got him at 12-ish. Um, but I think as the fourth best running back off the board right now, that's it's possible. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think it's going to be a tough hike when you're talking about guys like Saquon, Nick Chubb, and Derrick Henry um, going, in my opinion at least, at a much better value right now. Uh, Saquon's going at 10 Nick Chubb's going at 13. Derrick Henry's going at fucking 17, which is incredible. Derrick Henry last year, I think, was RB4 in PPR, RB3 in standard. Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor's a little bit too high for my ranks. Um, I like Jonathan Taylor at the beginning of the second round for you, and that's more so just to do with the mere fact that his quarterback is no longer a stiff-in-the-pocket type of quarterback, similar to what he had when he had Phillip Rivers, when he had Matt Ryan, um, Carson Wentz, who was a little bit more like of a pocket guy. Um, so Jonathan Taylor is someone that I do think is going to be better than he was last year, but I'm not ready to go ahead and say that he's going to be the fourth best running back of this year. Now let's talk about these receivers because that's what y'all want to hear about. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, and Josh Downs are the three Colts receivers that you likely want to hear about. And those are the guys who are going to be affected by Anthony Richardson. So let's talk about Michael Pittman first. Michael Pittman, for me at least, has always been in the same vein as like a Michael Thomas. He's someone who needs a decent amount of targets. I believe last year he had around 149 targets. Uh, he's not going to burn you down the field too much. He's a big body. Uh, you know, he can uh, create those contested catch opportunities because of his size. But he's someone who needs a voluminous role in order to go ahead and be like a top 15, top 20 receiver in fantasy. Now, the question mark is, will Anthony Richardson get the opportunity to toss up that many passes, right? So Anthony Richardson, historically in college, was like a 52, 53, 54, 55% completion guy, right? So like if he throws up 100 passes, he's only going to complete about 55 of them. Now, you think about the fact that Michael Pittman came out of last year with an aging, you know, Matt Ryan, the year before he had Carson Wentz. Two guys who are probably at the end of their roads, but they historically are, you know, guys who can, for the most part, and I, and I, and I say this more so for Matt Ryan, but they can sit in the pocket, they can distribute the ball, um, and they can throw the ball, like, on a rope with some zip, and um, they don't have a problem, like, giving you, giving you those targets you might need. And Michael Pittman is someone that I think is going to regress uh, next year. I don't think he's going to see 149 targets. And that's because they drafted a Josh Downs, who is a really good receiver. Alec Pierce is going to be in his second year within the offense. 
Uh, but also, I think they're going to run a lot more. And they have a completely new offensive coordinator who, once again, didn't draft Michael Pittman, didn't bring him into the regime. Pittman's still probably going to play on the left side of the field. He's still going to be, I think, the primary receiver. Uh, but I think that this offense is really going to plan on utilizing Pittman for his run blocking ability, which he's actually pretty damn good at. Michael Pittman's a great run blocker. He's a part of the reason that Jonathan Taylor is able to break off so many big runs. Now, I think that Shane Steichen will utilize Michael Pittman more as a blocker, which is going to be great for, you know, maybe his real life uh, contribution towards the Indianapolis Colts, but may not be that amazing for our fantasy football contributions. So with Michael Pittman right now, he is going off the board, you know, uh, within the same realm as like a Mike Williams, Chris Godwin. He's going off the board at pick 65. So once again, in a 10-team ten, league, you're getting him in like the seventh round. But the thing about Michael Pittman that I do like and I do see potential for is touchdowns because he is such a large target. So I think that, you know, if Anthony Richardson can give him some targets in the red zone, he should be able to use that contested catch ability to come down with some touchdowns. Uh, last year, he only had four tutties. The year before, he had six uh, I think Michael Pittman's probably going to be the hot read in a lot of this RPO shit that we see from Shane Steichen next year. So I think that he's going to get a lot of quick strikes. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity to, you know, make those big plays. His yards per target last year were, I think, like 6.5. So, you know, his typical target was about five, six yards down the field. I think with Anthony Richardson, who has a much stronger arm than Matt Ryan at this point of his career. Uh, is going to be able to push the ball further downfield. So while Michael Pittman may see less targets, I think that he sees a further death of target. And uh, hopefully that can offset some of, you know, that voluminous, um, some of the voluminous, you know, uh, receptions uh, that we've seen him get, you know, these last couple of years. So last year, Michael Pittman was a catch away from having 100 receptions. He ended the year with 99. He had 925 yards and four touchdowns. I think, I would probably more likely expect 85 to 90-ish receptions. I think he sees a slight bump in yards, uh, you know, like yards per target. And I think he still sticks within that four to six touchdown reign. Um, But I don't see him finishing as like a wide receiver 20 next year. I think I have him slightly outside of that. And I think a guy who's going to see a lot more work this year is actually Alec Pierce, who is their deep threat. He's the fastest guy within the starting receiver rotation with the 4-4-140. And with Anthony Richardson, who's going to have a strong arm, similar to what we saw with Lamar Jackson, what we saw with Cam Newton, what we see with Josh Allen, those mobile, strong-armed quarterbacks like to, you know what I'm saying, like uh, give those receivers their opportunity to catch those deep passes. Um, You know, when they pull in the defense, the defense stacks the box. They put eight in the box to go ahead and, you know, keep us by there for the quarterback. The quarterback can make them pay by hitting them deep, uh, taking advantage of maybe one-on-one coverage. And with Alec Pierce, who is, you know, pretty much the Colts burner, uh, I think that he can go ahead and create some big plays downfield. So Alec Pierce, who only played, you know, he, he played in 16 games last year, but he only saw 41 receptions on 78 targets. I think that he's going to be a guy who you can go ahead and get towards the end of the draft next year. And he's going to go ahead and he's going to have some big games. He's going to have some boom weeks. He's going as the 175th player off the board. So he's going after Hunter Renfro around the range of like Donovan Peoples-Jones, K.J. Osborne, 
John Mechie, Van Jefferson, Marvin Mims, Josh Downs. Uh, but I do think that Alec Pierce has some potential to make some big plays happen. And he's going to be a sneaky pickup next year. Um, he's someone that I'm actually targeting at the end of a lot of my drafts next season. And uh, last but not least, I want to talk about Josh Downs, who was the guy coming out of North Carolina. He played with the amazing Drake May last year in college. And Josh Downs is likely to go ahead and serve that slot role for this offense. Josh Downs is very hard to project because he was drafted alongside Anthony Richardson this year. But one of the things that Anthony Richardson seemed to struggle with in college uh, was not only his footwork, but was, you know, putting the right amount of touch on those short balls. Um, You know, sometimes he's similar to like a Trey Lance. He's just throwing way too hard on a lot of those uh, shorter targets. And so Jonathan or Josh Downs is someone that I believe could potentially have his hands full in terms of identifying and like defining his role in his first year. I think Reggie Wayne called Josh Downs the best receiver in the 2023 draft class. So obviously he's got some clout in the Indianapolis Colts building already. Um, But thing about Josh Downs is he's 5'10", he's 175 pounds, and he runs a 4'4", 840. So there's nothing spectacular about his size, strength, or speed. So he's really going to have to rely on, you know, uh, getting open and hoping that Anthony Richardson can hit him in windows. And so Anthony Richardson, someone who, once again, historically, you know, he completes around 53, 54, 55 percent of his passes. You're really banking on Anthony Richardson developing as a passer in order for Josh Downs to really come out and be like a like an incredible, uh, you know, pass catcher year one. And. I like Josh Downs. He was a red zone target for uh, Sam Howell back when Sam Howell played at North Carolina. I like Downs, but if Alec Pierce is the guy who catches all of Anthony Richardson's, you know, uh, deep passes, if Michael Pittman's the X receiver who just by scheme is going to go ahead and see, you know, the majority of the targets, and if Jonathan Taylor is someone who's going to be utilized out of the backfield as well as, you know, Anthony Richardson with his legs, you really got to wonder how many targets are going to be left for someone like a Josh Downs. And with him being so small, I mean, him and Isaiah McKenzie, who is the other slot receiver for the Colts, are both around the same size and weight. But, I mean, I think for either of them to really pop off, you have to hope for elite red zone route running, right? So you have to hope that they utilize Josh Downs correctly in the red zone and he can create separation in the red zone. And you have to hope that, you know, Anthony Richardson can kind of fix his footwork a little bit and learn how to, like, temper those, like, short passes a little bit more. So that way he can go ahead and get Josh Downs um, the ball, but in, like, those tighter windows. Because with him being a smaller receiver, he's not going to have as much of a catch radius. So Josh Downs is someone I do like for Dynasty a ton. I'm a little bit more questionable about what he can produce in year one. I think that Alec Pierce is likely the receiver who takes the largest jump this year. And Michael Pittman, someone who's going to regress a tad bit. Uh, Once again, I see Michael Pittman in the same breath as I see a Michael Thomas, someone who needs just a ton of a ton of targets. And I don't know if that's going to be the style of offense that Shane Steichen's going to run. Um, And I guess, you know, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Uh, As far as tight end, I know they got Jelani Woods, Mo Ali Cox. I'm not really touching any of the Colts tight ends. Um, I, I, I think that. You know, it's one of those things to where historically they haven't been great. Uh, Shane Sykin obviously had Dallas Goddard in uh, Philadelphia, but neither of these guys are Dallas Goddard. Jelani Woods is 6'7", which is amazing, but he doesn't run routes like Dallas Goddard. Doesn't have the hands that Dallas Goddard has. And, um, 
you know, I think that uh, regardless of who it is, I think that these Colts tight ends are likely close to no chance of being top 10 tight ends in terms of redraft value next year. Uh, But that's my review on the Bears, on the Indianapolis Colts. Once again, my name is Ja. You just listened to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I'll tap in next week with my boy Dugo, and uh, we'll go ahead and cover another team in the NFC and the AFC in terms of fantasy players that you should keep an eye on. All right, and until next week, peace!